Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, I'm Paulo Ferreira, and you are listening to the London News Blue. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London is Blue podcast, a podcast made for the fans, by the fans, celebrating the only team that matters. Come on, you blues. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast presented by World Soccer Shop. Head on over to worldsoccershop.com for the best Chelsea gear around. Now, some of you might have seen that Nick is as we record, on his way to Florida in preparation for our trip to London. But no worries, Dan, the man, is here holding down the fort with me. Thank you, sir. Well, I think the thing is I'm already in Florida, so I didn't need to actually fly here. Yeah, conveniently enough, as we're making our plans to fly to London, Dan's like, sure, you guys just come to me. We'll leave from here. It worked out great. It did. It was fantastic. You know, it's, it's great planning. You know, Conte always talks about, you know, the philosophy of football. My philosophy of traveling is uh, to minimize the impact on me and then to put Brandon <laughs> and Nick to work. Well, you, you played it very, very well. Uh, but the other part of our cast today, as most of you know, we pretty much launched this podcast on the We Ain't Got No History site back in August of 2014. And thanks to this man's help, we're still kicking today. So we're excited to have David back joining us again. Welcome back. 
Ah, good to be back. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So as we kick off uh, all of our episodes, we had some people, Dan, that asked for shout outs. How did they get onto our podcast today? Well, they, they left us a little five-star iTunes review. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful achievement that they had in life, leaving us five-star. So uh, Blue in Georgia, Teddy Bear Hug'em, all one word, What a Disappointment Boo, which still had a five-star review, and Zane Mahmoud uh, was the you know group of people that left us a little five-star review on iTunes. So four on there, uh, all in the U.S. store, and we we're super appreciative. You know, it's always cool to hear that, uh, you know, we're part of your commute or that, you know, uh, one of them called out Nick's uh, FIFA tournament that may or may not have happened. We'll have to pin that <laughs> and reserve that for the next podcast. Uh, but as always, you know, next week we'll do another shout out uh, probably ask nick to read a couple of them so if you'd like to hear your name on the london's blue podcast leave us a little five-star review in itunes and we'll get you on here all right we miss you nick but we got to keep on moving on as you know we've got a quick quick announcement uh from our friends at world soccer shop and if you entered our jt contest you might want to listen up here we go all right, the moment you've been waiting for. You may not listen after this part of the podcast, but I hope you do. We have decided our winner of the JT, O to JT tribute tweet contest that we did with World Soccer Shop. Uh, runner up goes to Jacoby James, 26. Uh, you were very close. I love the fact that you talked about one of the rival players I learned to respect, a lifelong Man United fan. I learned to love JT because of three words, leader, determined, legend. Uh, is Captain Leader legend? Um, but, you know, it was a great shout. Uh, but our overall winner is going to be Ryan Dury, uh, our Dury 08. Uh, JT, to me, represents passion, strength, and an undying love for Chelsea. JT, you set the standard for being a blue you will be forever loved, which uh, Brandon, I thought was a very sweet sentiment. No, absolutely. I mean, talk about he embodies the club and everything about it. I think they did a fantastic job, Ryan, of consolidating it into one tweet. So again, thank all of you for your submissions. They were fantastic. Uh, hopefully we'll be doing another giveaway soon. So if you missed out this time, let us know. And that way we can, you know, push World Soccer Shop for another promotional giveaway. But... With that being said, I think it is time to jump into the match review part, which is why all of you are here. So in case you missed it, we took on Everton in the Premier League at Goodison Park. It was this past Sunday, April 30th. Uh, score Blues 3, Toffee 0. And in Jay Heal's prediction game and our Facebook group, we had So, who guessed right, 3 nothing, and Maduka as well. We even had, Dan, for the first time ever, an Instagram prediction nail it. Tubulayefa nailed it with his 3-0 prediction. Congratulations to all of you. But you know what? We had a bit of a lineup. Well, I don't know, Dan. How, how did it look? Uh, I, I think it brought back a copy-paste lineup from October, November into December. You know, we had a chance to see Diego Hazard, Pedro up top, Alonzo, Matic, Conte, Moses in the mid, Cahill, Luis, Aspilicueta in front of the one and only Thibaut Courtois. And you had a chance also to see a little uh, little substitution action, a little double sub from a Nathan Nake, Seps Fabregas, and then uh, a Williams sub at the, uh, you know, in the closing minutes of the match. So it was, uh, you know, kind of cool to see the lineup that won us you know that wonderful wonderful win streak um return and it was uh, excellent to see the uh them line up against you know a very stout 
Everton team for the majority of it. Yeah, for you, David, what did you kind of think when we saw this lineup? Obviously, almost a throwback at this point in the season. Uh, And I also think it's amazing that Conte never, ever, ever doesn't use all three of his subs. (laughs) Yeah, he's. uh, I think he's uh, probably got a record of it going somewhere behind the scenes as well. Because sometimes it definitely feels like he's just doing it just to waste time and just to keep his record intact. Yeah. but as far as the lineup, uh, it's uh, I was expecting this exact lineup. Then again, I basically expect this lineup in every game. So I'm I'm, uh, I'm more surprised that when we do something like uh, start Fabregas instead of Pedro, or uh, you know sit Matic and start Fabregas at some midfield position. But this one to me still represents uh, the best version of this three four three or three four two one, whatever people want to call it. And uh, this being the toughest game on this on the schedule, uh, I'm not surprised that that's what Conte rolled with. Absolutely, it's kind of the standard we came to love, especially during that uh, 13 match win streak. Uh, from the stats, it was pretty even for the most part. Um, you know. The good news is we had plenty of goals, and they are all for Chelsea this week. We don't have to go back and forth with a 4-2 scoreline, as a lot of people predicted, because Everton-Chelsea has been a high goal-scoring affair in recent history. But Chelsea did make us wait until halftime before they added a little excitement to this match. 66th minute, Pedro lights up the away fans with a fantastic turn at the top of the box before bending in a left-footed curler top shelf. Dan, it seems like Pedro has been doing this time and time again this season. An absolutely different player than last season. Yeah, he, he's got this spinning top move that is really intriguing when he, he does it. And just seems to befuddle defenders just enough to give him that extra space. You know, uh, Slettenberg also was befuddled a little bit. I think he was expecting Pedro to not cut back in that way. And he just, you know, launched it very similar uh, to the way he did against uh, against Spurs. So it was uh, very nice to see him continue this run of form. And I, I really think he thought Gary Cahill was, uh, was about to encroach on his uh, his goal total for the season and uh, you know of course uh, you know Cahill also responded in, in form too too bad we won't be sitting close enough to celebrate with Pedro next week like the two fans who got on the field after this goal uh, pretty funny I mean obviously David I'm sure you've seen the quick gifs of the guy scoots in does a little pirouette and he's gone before security can even get a hold of him yeah I don't think those guys will be celebrating in a stadium anytime soon. So hopefully they got their money's worth. They, they did really pick up after that Pedro move and had that nice spin, though. So they, they definitely <laughs> were able to you know, drop shoulder and leave that steward kind of high and dry for a moment. That's too bad we didn't know exactly what happened because the cameras kept following the celebration instead of the steward chasing that fan down. Yeah. I want to know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> Well, 79th minute, Captain Cahill in the right spot at the right time is Hazard's Schross. That would be part shot, part cross, is saved by Stecklenburg right into Cahill's knee for a clinical finish, David. Oh, yeah, clinical, all right. I'm not sure Cahill <laughs> knew anything about it. He's just, just crashing the net. But, uh, you know, as you put it, you put the ball in the right place and uh, good things will happen. Uh 
using uh, somebody saying uh, Stecklenburg being befuddled. That seems to be his uh, his standard position, uh, being befuddled by every Chelsea shot there was, and uh, that save certainly is not not a good one from him with the rebound he's right like, into. Yeah, he's kind of like the human version of like a, a Psyduck from Pokemon. Like you just don't, he doesn't <laughs> I don't know what's going like, on. How bad is the other guy that they went back to him Robles. in the last couple of games? Yeah, Robles or whatever his name is. Yeah, they they talked about that. I mean, Everton, uh, kind of like Liverpool, have been back and forth on their goalkeeping situation. Must be a Liverpool thing. Um, <laughs> but he, yeah, um, Stecklenburg gave up a ton of deflections today, so I'm glad to see Chelsea kind of getting ready for that uh, because they pounced or at least pressured him a couple different times through the match. So right. good awareness from well, the guys. Well, even in the first half, there was just that random long shot from Cahill. Yep. And he couldn't even hold on to that. I mean, that's that's Sunday League stuff. Man. You got to hold that ball. That's just bad. Yep. That's exactly what I was thinking about as well. Uh, then finally, Dan, 86 minutes, super sub Fabregas finds the other super sub, William, to finish off this match and send a message to Spurs that we're not limping across the finish line this season. Yeah, it was it's it's crazy that we you know we talk about squad depth at times and you know there are obviously areas where where there's a distinct drop off but the fact that you can trot on Cesc Fabregas and William at the end of a match uh, it, it almost is like a cheat code in some way shape or form but you know, all that all credit for that goal goes to Fabregas like he just totally played uh Slettenberg. <laughs> He played him for a fool and just tapped it over to William, and there was there was nothing in between him and the net, and that was quite a wonderful goal. And I think just the tactical acumen that says Fabregas brings him to the field when he goes out there is is quite fantastic, and and that's just an example of what he's able to offer you, and you know why I, I think just from a rotational standpoint, uh, you know he still has a place in Chelsea after this season. It is it should be noted that uh, sorry, go ahead that. Uh, uh, that was probably the first through ball from Costa for Fabregas that actually wasn't overhit all game. Yeah. He, he tried that ball so many times and every single time he overhit it. And finally, Fabregas came on the pitch and he knew how to, <laughs> how to find him. So they've got that good, link good for him. Yeah. They, yeah, yeah. they know what they're doing. Um, <laughs> I just want to point out that as a goalkeeper, you know you're in trouble if you are running sideways across your goal. Like that's <laughs> the point when you go something went wrong this is this is not a good situation so it was fantastic to see Fabregas and William not only come in and continue to lift Chelsea because everyone was calling for a sub at about the 55th minute uh, but to literally see those two execute and uh, get a goal was fantastic but question number one of the pod after the Southampton match we talked about how poor our defensive record has been since we conceded in our last 11 matches today we got the shutout but did have David Luiz sub out with an injury so was this more down to Everton being ineffective in front of goal David or Chelsea kind of lifting our performance oh that's a tough question uh I'm not sure we ever quite figured out why we were conceding I mean, some of the goals that came, went in were just right down silly, like the the Courtois giveaway against uh, Manchester City uh, last week when we couldn't defend the corner for our lives. So I'm I'm not sure it's, it was anything systematic, really. It's just maybe just an outlying run of unlucky goals. 
that said, I don't think Everton were very good at all outside of maybe the first 90 seconds when they hit the post. And uh, with Lukaku being rather terrible, uh, we can possibly chalk that up to him being not so good, as many people will tell you, or our defense uh, shutting him down. I know that's not really an answer, but I'm not really <laughs> sure I have an answer. You don't need to. Uh, losing David Luiz could be a problem, though. Yeah, and no need. Obviously, like, we're just kind of opening the discussion up. And, yeah, yeah. you know, with that being said, Lukaku still hasn't scored against Chelsea in the Premier League, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> um, obviously, he has such a good goal-scoring record. I know one says he doesn't show up in big games, but... You know, I, this is definitely going to be tough uh, for a hundred million pound valuation this summer. He did score in that FA Cup uh, loss last season, yes. so it's not not all bad. Well, and that's it. You know? Like he ran around us that match. Yeah, the, yeah, he's, he definitely done. That, that was the that's the Lukaku that like we know he can be when he's just physically dominating everybody in the fence. Uh, but sometimes he doesn't seem to show up. So. I don't know if that's a, a mentality thing, a young person thing. I feel, I feel like only one of the, his two attempts really, you know, there, there was a one right in front of the goal that where you thought he might be able to make something happen. Uh, but even the long shot that he tried from outside the box just really, you know, didn't, didn't have the power, didn't have the velocity on it that I think we're used to seeing, you know, in the 20 plus goals he scored in the league this season. So. Right. Well, I think Everton kind of lacked a bit of motivation too, especially after the first few minutes, maybe in the first half when, you know, Chelsea, I thought were much more uh, control and dominant in the second half, but Everton just about have nothing left to play for. Mm -hmm. So they know they're going to finish seventh regardless of what they do. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of tough for them to really get up for a game. We saw that, and we saw that last week against West Ham. I mean, that zero-zero draw was yeah. was tough to watch. So, <laughs> Dan, as you kind of mentioned, Everton had four shots on on goal to Chelsea's five. As you look at their four shots, two of them were wide. Obviously, one hit the post. The other one was Lukaku's hit from range, and the last one was blocked on top of the six. So overall, it was pretty good. But when you look at our defensive shape, we pretty much defended with just three and N'Golo Kante today. Chelsea. We're not really worried about it, it looks like. Well, we had definitely the press up a little bit. I think, uh, you know, Goye's uh, man marking of Hazard, which, you know, borderlined on, you know, like another National Hug Day experiment from, <laughs> from Wanyama, um, was, you know, just dreadful. And I think you saw Louise having to push forward, Cahill having to push forward, and Aspilqueta pushing forward to really make the inroads because they were doing a nice job defensively, you know, moving the ball through our midfield. You know, you saw uh, a little bit of Tom Damies moving the ball forward. You had a chance to see, you know, Ross Bockley moving the ball forward. So, they, you know, they were getting movement on the ball. You know, just they were being let down by their, their final product and not really getting the avenue to shoot. You know, even the one time where I think it was a direct, the direct shot at Courtois, um, you know, Conte was very happy on the sidelines. He was applauding the fact that they, they really shut down any true avenue at, at the goal and, and forced a, you know, a, a forced them to make a tough shot that was, you know, statistically would not have had a, a high likelihood of going in. So you know, I think the defense played in, you know, of a singular mind today, which, which, you know, obviously worked very well for us. I was pretty happy to see uh, Morales, Marias, how do you say his name, on the bench because he tends to have a pretty good game against us. Not as much as uh, 
Stephen Naismith. Oh man! Always. Oh gosh! Yeah, the, the, the White <laughs> yeah. Walker himself. That would have been really <laughs> terrible. Um, Cal- Calvert Lewin, though, and he, you know, he had that one shot first yeah. you know, initially that in the first couple minutes, and you know that looked like it was going to be a decent attempt, and kind of you felt that it might be rocky going forward. Right. But yeah, you know, he also got snuffed out a little bit too. I think to the the credit yeah. of Victor Moses, who you know most of his work was done, you know, from a, a defensive standpoint today. Uh, same with Alonso. You know, they were really for to you know just kind of tighten down the lanes which really you know asked a lot more uh, of hazard to break through the man marking you know and then you saw you know diego dropping back a little bit more to start to free up bring those center backs forward so there actually was space behind him well fun fact gary cahill led the team with the most shots on goal today with two uh, tied with Lukaku overall. Uh, it looks like Nathan Ake has quickly climbed into the fourth string defender, or maybe he played centrally today because JT wasn't on the roster. Either way, if Louise can't play against Boro and update, Antonio said after the match that he talked with the doctor and didn't think it'd be serious. We still don't know yet. Um, David, do you think Ake or JT would slide into that role or maybe even Cahill slide in and put Ake on the left? Uh, well, I think we're actually going to... I would like to see Nathan Ake get get his shot at the center. Uh, I know Conte said that JT, that's his. That's the backup position for JT, is the center of the middle of the three defenders. But I'm not sure Conte is really ready to start uh, Terry in a, uh, a competitive, meaningful match. At this point, so I'm hoping I'm hoping it's Ake if Luis can't go, and just keep just uh, sub him in one for one in the middle, keep Cahill left and Aspilicueta on the right. Dan, where do you where do you stand on that? Yeah, you know, I, I think you know, obviously we hope it's Louise who comes in because that has been such a you know dominant defense this season, and the way he's able to ping a pass forward, you know, isn't something you know Espelqueta, Cahill, or Ake really can replicate. You know, while Ake definitely showed. Um, in the prior match that he has the ability to play some balls forward in a different way than, than Cahill can. Uh, you know, I, I, I just hope Louise recovers. I know, it, but it I'm, looked I'm, groin, it looked groin related. I'm playing no, hypotheticals not, not here. I, I ruled him out. All right. You, you're pinned in a corner. You got to choose. <laughs> uh, yeah. The problem is you, you start JT. It's going to, you know, he, I mean, he, but JT also looked good against, uh, you know, against uh, Tottenham in the last little bit of the FA Cup match. So maybe he's he's saving. He's saving that last little bit for, for the run in here. So I, I don't know. I'd probably give JT the, the, the start. No worries. I'll let you off the hook. So the sentimentality <laughs> really, really, you know, really rings hard there, man. It's hard to pick against JT. Well, I mean, obviously I'm selfish and I would love to see JT get a run out in the only match I, I go to at this point. So I'm totally putting myself in front of the team and I know that's not right but question number two how magical has Fabregas been this season obviously he hasn't been as prominent of a role as he'd like but compared to the beginning of the season it looks like Conte has definitely found a way to get him some meaningful minutes this season Dan yeah, uh, you look at some of the stats, you know, uh, three quarters of an assist per 90 minutes, which, you know, to come on the pitch and find ways to make an impact. You know, I think when you look at, you know, the game he plays now, 
and the the type of things that he got knocked for, you know, a season or even a season or two ago, and just some of the lack of discipline, you know, the falling off in, in matches. You know some of the the athletic abilities that maybe he lacked, which obviously he makes up for with again this this ability. You know, if you've ever seen you know Sherlock and Benedict Cumberbatch plays, you know Sherlock Holmes talks about this mind palace and he can close his eyes and envision everything. Like that that's how Fabregas sees the 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 pitch in my mind. Like he's just looking at it and it's all kind of slow motion around him, sort of like his tackles. So ultimately. You know, he, you know, has played to a higher level and capacity this season than I think what we've seen him in previously. And he, and he speaks to that in his interviews and how, how much he enjoyed working, has, enjoys working with Antonio Conte. So, uh, you know, creates three and a half chances per 92. So he's, he's no slouch. And what's nice too is you now see Diego starting to, to pick up a little more steam. Obviously didn't hit goal today, but, you know it will come between now and the end of the season if they get some more minutes on the pitch together. Did you just slam him and support him in the middle of that with your slow tackle? <laughs> you savage. Um, well, you know, it, it, it's like those plus and minuses, right? You know, the things he does really well, the things he has an opportunity with, and, and, and you know, we just got to love him as a person. It's uh, true. He lit up, he lit up poor, poor uh, Oriol Romeo in the last game, that's for sure. Yeah, he did. We <laughs> talked about that. Um, you know, as you compare uh, Fabregas to De Bruyne and Christian Eriksen, the... Um, the two assist leaders in the league. Uh, Fabregas has only played a thousand minutes. De Bruyne is at twenty five hundred, and Christensen's just under twenty nine hundred. So the fact that he's got nine assists versus those guys thirteen and twelve, uh, you know, David just kind of shows you that when he gets on, he's definitely making an impact. Well, I think uh, Conte definitely found. Uh... I mean, maybe Fabregas wouldn't agree, but I think Conte found the best way to use Fabregas, which is to deploy him surgically in like the last 15, 20 minutes of a game. Either, and he's done it either when we're winning and when we're losing, uh, both to, you know, control the game and lock down possession or, or get us back in the game with, with crucial goals. Uh, so it's 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 just kind of funny because in the summer, you know, everybody said, oh, Fabregas is not Conte's type of player unless we switch to a 3-5-2 and you make him the new Pirlo. Well, obviously that hasn't happened. And yet after Fabregas came back from his injury, which kept him out for most of the first half of the season, he's played in almost every game, if not every game, I think. And and always when he comes on, you know, the, the entire feel and the the narrative of the game changes either we lock it down and see out the result or, or we usually get a late goal no you're right absolutely right about that uh susk only featured in four of chelsea's first 13 matches as you talked about that's when he's dealing with a lot of injuries and issues with that but since then he's featured in every single premier league match sometimes like you said only 10 to 15 minutes but we see even like the 30 minute cameos a little bit more consistently you know yeah like Back in the day, so let's see, Fabregas is 29. So this is probably like six, seven, eight years ago when he was really breaking through the scene at Arsenal. Nike launched a shoe behind him, and it was the Maestro shoe, and it was like him and Iniesta were the guys behind it. And it just makes sense. Like as you talk about Fabregas's impact on these games, David, that's exactly he's he's a maestro. He is dictating the tempo. He knows when to push and go direct over the top, when to slow it down and kind of go side to side. Like his ability to control a lot of the different 
aspects of the game is really key and Conte has forced him to be more physical where normally he probably wouldn't go chasing people down because he's not interested in that he's definitely (laughs) had to add that to his game Um, so to me those are the big influential impacts that he does have and I think the other part of it when it comes to midfield balance is he'll let Modric and Conte literally wear a team down so that right. when Fabregas comes on, he has more time and more space. It's all deliberate. Oh, yeah. He's 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 the closer, sort of. So, sort of. Back in the day, it's, we had to know, have Mikel be the closer. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mikel was a bit of a one-note closer. Yeah. He was quite literally the closer. Fabregas can do it a couple of different ways. But in in football, it's a bit interesting because um, people only ever really talk about a starting eleven, and you want to be in the starting eleven, but. In most other sports, we also talk about, you know, like in basketball, you have the sixth man or in, you know, whoever the first man off your bench to change to change your game is is very important. And Fabregas is kind of like um, if you remember back in the World Cup when Andre Scherle was with us, Scherle was one of Germany's uh, key players, even though he I don't think he ever started a game, but he always came on for them late in games to help him win it or see it out. And that's kind of the role that Fabregas fills perfectly for us. So um, hopefully he's also just as happy with that as we are. <laughs> and doesn't, yeah, uh, I, I think when you talk about planning for next season and wanting to have depth, and you know people want to talk about you know Chelsea in the the ranks of the Real Madrids and the Barcelonas, like to have a Fabregas on the bench or a William on the bench when they could go start at pretty much any other Premier League club or even at some of the other you know major clubs in, in world football um, that 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 is what you want uh, you know and you, know, you don't want you know seven youth youth team players right on the bench you know you want an arsenal of players that you can pick from and you know tactically deploy as delta forces and go in and, and either see out or close up shop so that you can either win your game or rotate appropriately and plan for any type of opponent. And I think Fabregas sees that that's that opportunity where he also can start against those teams where, you know, we know they might be a little bit more compact. We know the passing lanes are going to be tight. We know we're going to need to break quick on a counter and, and take those opportunities. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's a joy to have him on our team. And I, it's crazy. We will give him potentially two Premier League medals before Arsenal could give him one. <laughs> I don't know if you're doing it on purpose tonight or not, Dan, but you just said an Arsenal players on your bench and you're just talking about Fabregas. This is unreal. You're on you're on it tonight. Uh, it's it's uh it's the the mastermind moment, right? It's well played. It's well well played. Does it without thinking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh question three. So I brought it up earlier when we were running through the goals, but David, are you impressed by the amount of goals Chelsea are scoring this late in the season? A lot of times teams will play a little bit more conservatively so they don't get caught out on a cheap Mm -hmm. goal. But this team seems to still be focused on going at teams in an attacking manner. It certainly is a refreshing change. Uh, You know, back in 2015 when it was when uh, Mourinho's method was basically to lock it down and win every game by one goal, either 1-0 or 2-1, our... uh, our method nowadays definitely seems to be just, you know, go for it, really. Uh, part of that is probably due to the fact that we can't keep a clean sheet nowadays, uh, even though we did one today or on Sunday. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, I think Conte's positive approach is is one of the things that makes people love him as so much. You know, he was billed as just basically another Mourinho from Italy, 
but uh, I think his approach to the game is is a lot more proactive, even if it's a bit more uh, reliant on drills and and, and practice movements. Uh, it's 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 a nice change. Dan, obviously a lot more one nothing two one victories as we kind of rolled the fourteen fifteen season up and wrapped it there, but. You know, as you've been seeing, Chelsea are consistently, you know, three, four goal, you know, matches lately. It's, um, you know, it's a good time to be to be watching. You know, Tottenham said last week, you know, oh, we played the better football, but hmm. you know, no one really cares. The, Eleven to one corners. Yeah, that, there's a great stat. <laughs> but in the fact of the matter is, we we scored off our one, and we're putting up four goals you know so it's like Chelsea are an exciting team to watch right now because if anything you know you're gonna get um you know definitely more than a one goal game yeah it, it definitely you know there, there's still a bit of squeaky bum right now and you know I think that that has been uh, just how the season has gone watching a, you know double digit lead you know dwindle down a little bit to being you know, four points which is not as secure as you you would hope but uh, I will take the the four two, the three ones, the two ones over the the one nils any day. Uh, it, it's exciting. It's fun to watch. Um, amazing passing. Uh, it's and th- and this all came from a season that you know we basically had said at the beginning of it that if we got fourth, we got back to Europe and Champions League football. That, that was a win. And you know the the, the first benchmark of was this season successful from the mind of the club and the mind of the the manager is checked off. We are, we are back in Europe. We are back in champions league football, uh, which is fantastic. It's fantastic for us. It's fantastic for, we ain't got no history. It's fantastic (laughs) for everyone. Um, fantastic for away fans uh it's fantastic for arsenal fan tv so they can watch chelsea play uh and not get knocked out of europe um so you know it's it's just great it's it's super wonderful it's amazing and again this has just been the coolest ride of a season to to witness um very reminiscent i think like if you think about um like the second time the Red Sox won the World Series where it was like, wow, you know, it's you know, in recent memory, like in 2007, where they just, you know, you, you saw it coming and the way they did it was so much more clinical and, and more fun about it versus the, you know, like you're kind of so nervous. They had to come back from everything and, and you know, kind of eke out a couple of games. Uh, it's, it's, it's nice to know that you should go on the pitch and win versus the whole one one or one nil or. <laughs> It's not, not not as fun, not not as in, engaging, not as exciting. Definitely uh, giving you ninety minutes of heart attacks. <laughs> yeah, well, that that two two seasons ago was definitely just a, a, a huge mentality shift because Chelsea were lighting up the league at the start of that season too, and everybody was talking about this amazing brand of football that Mourinho was suddenly playing. You know, powered by Costa and Fabregas and all these guys, and then he simply shut things down in the second half, and and, and we went for the the tight wins that kind of came to came to bite bite us in the Champions League. So, you know, we'll we'll see how it go, all goes for Conte next season with the added burden. But uh, so far, so good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, better to be four points up than chasing four points. So with that being said, uh, any other thoughts you guys have about this match maybe that we didn't touch on that you wanted to bring up? Dan? 
Uh, I, I really loved the uh, trick set piece, I guess I would call it, even though it didn't end <laughs> up with a with a goal. Um, the the short kick into the side, and then the the nest kick back into the center of the box, and then oh man. Costa was like half a foot away from from knocking that one in there, and you could tell that they drilled that one pretty intensively and in practice. But it's cool to see some some thoughts about how do we potentially approach set pieces differently, especially with a couple of our players, like Olacante, Hazard, being a, a little a little shorter. So it's cool to see some <laughs> of the the inventive thought there. Yes, that was not bad. Just don't call it a training ground routine, which like basically if you do a Twitter search, that's like, oh my God, we did a training ground routine. <laughs> no way. I, def- I definitely think that the uh, set piece routines have uh, definitely gotten, gotten a little more creative this season. But David, anything else from this match that, that you wanted to point out? Uh, I think I'd like to point out that we we scored three goals, but we still missed our two best chances in the game. And uh, that's uh, something hopefully that won't happen the rest of the season, especially in big games like the FA Cup final. Hazard getting around Stecklenburg and only yep. finding the side of the net. And then obviously Diego Costa, uh, somehow Jagielka just missing it. And Costa had a <laughs> chance to, I mean, he really could have just, placed it with the inside of his foot and said he went for the, yeah, the he, net smash volley. He went for power and yep. he didn't wait for the ball to he's just a split second more and it probably goes in or gets blasted right into the goalkeeper. But, no. uh, yeah. Absolutely, you're right. So, uh, all right, well, next up we've got our man in the match pull. Uh, Nick did this and then bolted so he can't defend it or we can't attack him either way. Uh, <laughs> but he had for his man in the match, he had Pedro, Cahill, Aspie, and Conte. I don't know. I mean, I'll tell you what, Dan. This is the least argued about man of the match poll this week. So my guess must be it's because obviously with 67% of the votes going to Pedro and a measly 16 with Cahill, 14 SP and only 3% Conte in his own poll. Not a lot to complain about. No one really cared. Yeah, I think you know, part of it was the the twist and turn and the, the rocket. Part of it was the the post goal celebration. Yeah, Pedro reborn, a, a joy to watch, and uh, you know, kind of continuing to to net some important goals for us. You know, he you know allowed the the avenues to kind of expand for the the following two goals, and uh, you know, really made a big difference in this game. Nice to see him. You know, I think sometimes his away form is not as good as his home form, but uh, this was a nice, uh, nice change. And to be one of the only three teams that won at Goodison uh, this season is, uh, you know, a good company to be in. Well, the table as it stands. All right. You know, this is when we plug Jake Cohen. So, hey, Jake, what's the magic number of points now? Uh, according to our expert at Jake F. Cohen, I said Chelsea's magic number which includes any combination of points won by Chelsea or dropped by Spurs, to clinch the title is now down to nine. And he follows it up, Dan. I think this is the first time he's been this specific. Or I'm sorry, David. Jake says we're going to win the league. I mean, he just, you heard it here first. <laughs> well, he's probably not wrong. So it's pretty, pretty safe bet at this point, I hope. He's ran the numbers. I think we can trust that. <laughs> He's seen the future. All right. Oh, all right. <laughs> but as I, tr- t- I trust Jake in most things, so we'll trust him in this as well. I agree. 
Uh, Dan, the table as it stands, obviously Chelsea in first on 81 points, being trailed by Spurs on 77. So the four points are still intact. Uh, Liverpool and City, both on 66 and third and fourth respectively. Man United just behind them on 65 points. Liverpool still play tomorrow, so obviously we haven't factored that in. You would think that they'd beat Watford, but I mean, let's be honest, we've seen them drop these games consistently this season and if Liverpool beat Watford um, especially with all the injuries United are probably uh, not going back to the Champions League unless through uh, a wonderful victory in the Europa League which is probably in jeopardy given the amount of injuries they've had this season so and Arsenal is uh the, the, you know, really, I'm, I'm shocked and saddened that fourth place in Arsenal broke up this year. Uh, it's quite, quite the, the hit to my psyche. It, it doesn't. This is this is an odd, odd year where Tottenham finish above Arsenal, where Liverpool and, and City get in, but United and Arsenal don't go to Europe. And, and, you know, I mean, I, I actually was surprised that their you know passports weren't revoked after the Bayern Munich incident. But, you know, that, that's neither here nor there. Chelsea are going back to Europe. Got a few more games left to play. And it's up to us to, to do our business because I don't think at this point United is going to going to help us drop any but we can still give a give a little uh, love they, maybe they'll to, never lose a game again there's two drop points for spurs right there yeah it's uh they are the experts of drawing uh yeah. so uh criola uh sponsorship kid sponsorship uh 2017-18 and uh, we can just <laughs> hope for uh lester to uh to do us a reverse favor and then we'll all be uh all will be right as rain so I have, a, I have a question, I guess. David, do you think that people aren't writing Spurs as hard as they should be because, like, the top four or five are so competitive? I mean, it just seems to, like, okay, last year when Chelsea were down in 10th, I mean, everyone was just giving us the hardest time ever. And I think, and maybe I'm just not aware of it, but it seems like people are kind of giving Arsenal a pass because, like, there's so much competition between Liverpool, City, United. People rather talk about that rather than Arsenal massively underachieving. Eh, I guess uh, I'm sure that I, I mean there's plenty of Wenger out stuff but just some of that just gets kind of boring so I don't know sure it's, it's Arsenal what I think it's 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 a bit of a like I think even Chelsea's 10th place finish eventually just kind of petered out into a, a sort of like eh, well what are you gonna do and everybody started talking about you know Leicester pulling off this amazing finish and and Spurs bottling it at the end but uh you know, City one of City and United not finishing top four would be it would be a pretty big story, I think, regardless of what Arsenal do. So yeah, yeah. I, especially I guess, I guess uh, Wenger walked out of his press conference he today, got it all a bit bit uppity about people asking him why he's having such a bad season. The question actually was even just about the fact that this is the first time in 22 years Spurs are going to finish <laughs> above Arsenal. Oops. And, you know, he went on this long diatribe about it, though, saying we shouldn't compare ourselves to them. He goes, mathematically, it was bound to happen. Okay, so it's not his oh, fault. Yeah. It's just statistics. <laughs> uh, but then he goes on and it's like, we should compare ourselves to where we want to be, not to against Spurs. And then he just kind of decided he was done and, and walked away so you know he's got a contract to sign so you know times times a ticking oh my gosh all right well the the Premier League website actually has a poll posted right now I'm not sure if it'll still be there by the time you're listening but they're asking all of the Premier League fans will leaders Chelsea be caught and when I voted at that time I said 53% voted no chance the title is theirs 
30% said they could be. It's a close call. And only 17% says, yes, Spurs are coming for them. Uh, so either A, everyone is a Chelsea fan voting in this, or B, uh, <laughs> the general consensus is people believe that Chelsea will do it, which is crazy because, you know, two weeks ago losing to United, everything was on the wobble. You know, they're going to get caught. Everything's in trouble. And, you know, we're back to another run of games. So, you know, I think that... Uh, it's interesting how the roller coaster goes, but right now we're on the up, so hopefully we can just finish the season out. So with that being said, I think we will go ahead and wrap up part one. We're going to do a quick break about XL Tours, and then we'll be back with a ton of your social media questions. Here we go. Yeah, so just a reminder, uh, we will be in London uh, later this week if you're listening to this uh, early in the week. If you're listening to it like on Saturday and Sunday, surprise, we're already in your country if you live in the UK. Or, hey, by the way, uh, we're not in the US anymore. And so in that moment, uh, we were going over with XL Tours. We're going to take in the Middlesbrough game. And uh, we're going to be posting as much as we can on Instagram at London Blue Pod. We're going to do some some live updates. We'll do some shots in the moment. We'll kind of take you with us on the digital journey um, so that you can enjoy a trip to Sanford Bridge and the Middlesbrough match as much as we are uh, without the actual like you know touching things you know but you can tap it to like so just go on Instagram at Linda Blue Pod follow along on our journey on the trip that we're taking with XL Tours over the Middlesbrough match all right. Well, you know, David, since you're joining us, uh, a lot of hype about you and the celebrity status you hold over at <laughs> Wayne Gatner History. So the first question we're going to I was lead, just being trolled. Uh, yeah. Well, the, the first question we're going to lead with is from at Ramis, you know, Ram. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you know him. He, he wants to know what hair product do you use? <laughs> Yeah, he's not being serious. <laughs> but the serious answer is I don't because this is all natural luster and beauty. Oh, man. You're just going to make everyone That's a joy to hear. Just just shampoo and conditioner in one bottle. <laughs> Here's the real question is if you were in the lineup, uh, could we, with a Nathan Ake, a William, a David Louise, just lock down that sure contract for the next like 20 seasons? Because that, <laughs> that would just be the all hair 11 in my mind. Yeah, but, oh, does Sure or whatever make hair products too? I thought they only made uh, deodorants. Oh, I, I think they, they also have some uh, some hair uh, uh, yeah, yeah. We items. Just, we need the we need the uh, the Troy Polamalu uh, Head and Shoulders commercial <laughs> uh, endorsement. That would be for uh, for some of our squad. Yeah, that would be good. Um, okay, well, next one. Let's go at Mohitberry underscore ninety four says, uh, Dan, should Fabregas start ahead of Modic considering our upcoming fixtures? Uh, also goes on to ask about a full fit Ake or half fit Louise, but we'll touch on the Ake thing in a second. Uh, if it ain't broke and it ain't broke right now, just don't don't mess with it. Let's ride the Matic train right now. He actually had that one like messy like move in the match today <laughs> where he kept on moving the ball forward in slow mo. You might actually think your stream was buffering for a moment. It was not. That was real time. Um, <laughs> yeah, he 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 lives in bullet time. It's really weird. He's and the master of the slow dribble. That's for sure. He is, and he just like figures out a way with his you know just interesting body structure <laughs> of moving appropriately to avoid like the the kicks at his like legs and ankles yeah. and uh, you know he 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 adds value to that midfield I, I get he gets rided a little bit but you know he if he's not there next to Conte 
Hazard and Costa and Pedro aren't getting forward to, to do their business. So, you know, don't, you know, don't expect all of his work to be with the ball on his, uh, on his feet. I would actually like to disagree. And I'd say Fabregas should start just because, uh, Boro will pack the bus or park the bus and the airplane and then all the other <laughs> big transportation devices into their goal. Uh, they have one of the best defensive records and then also the worst attack in the entire league. So that's really, I mean, they might not have anything to play for, in which case it won't matter, but I would not expect them to really cross halfway. It, so. Especially being the away team. Uh, that makes sense. Right. You know, at KP221289 says, can we all agree Sesk is our most creative midfielder? Yes. I don't think anyone will argue with that. Uh, and then Stephen, Stephen Clark on Facebook says, is Fabregas the best 12th man in football? Obviously, David, that's something you kind of spoke to as well. Um, you know, that's right. it'll be kind of inter- interesting to see how they approach this because like you said, without a doubt, Middlesbrough are going to defend for their lives. Uh, a little bit of a relegation scare going for them. They're away team taking on the, uh, you know, the f- top of the league team. And uh, hasn't Guzan been playing the last couple matches for them? Has he? I, he? I think he at least played today or this weekend. Oh, so That's where he's been hiding. Yeah, that must be uh, Valdez is injured because, you know, Guzan's headed to Atlanta United in the MLS right after the season. Nice. Okay. Uh, an- oh, pray, pray for Atlanta. We're cruising. <laughs> well, not today. All right. Anyways, Tim Penny emailed us and says, do we think Hazard doesn't try as hard when he's man marked? Really feel he should try harder to pull the marker out of position to create space for others. That's, I think it's a little hard at that, that's, Irag, that's a viewpoint. <laughs> you know, Iragov also says, uh, how do we deal with Hazard getting man-marked since we've seen it a couple times now? I mean, personally, I thought he did much better today than against United and Herrera. I mean, he was confused then. Today, I mean, he got involved in the play a bit more and drifted. We saw, I know you guys can't see this, but the pos- average position chart, Hazard is the farthest forward player. So I think they took the advice of trying to kind of put Ghana in between their center backs. I, I don't know, Dan, what do you think about Hazard being man-marked? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, J- John Moss, a uh, round of applause for <laughs> the oddest officiating of some of those those grabs of the shirts uh i think i made a comment during the match that uh you know uh, gray wouldn't need to ask for the shirt he would have had it by halftime um, with the amount of hands he had on it and it was it was rough to watch and i think he was turning a little bit better i think what wasn't happening was that was the connected ball i think that was he was being forced to make a lot of quicker passes and and that's where we were let down a little bit by it but he was he was turning a little bit more quicker or quicker than he was against herrera and i think that's also maybe speaks to a little bit of the quality of the player he was going up against but yeah i mean that's a tough one i think when you saw you know eventually he's warmed down though it's very hard to man mark the entire game, and then once they started changing with their formation, then it was it was done. Yeah, I think Hazard Hazard did fine as uh, being man marked by somebody of uh, Ghana's quality, who um, wasn't really as good at it as Herrera was for United, uh, at least in terms of actually dealing with Hazard. He was just as good at, at fouling him, and. No, nothing was being called, so that's that's a whole other issue. I think Hazard is getting a bit of a, a bit of a stick just because there was a segment on Sky Sports where whoever was there was analyzing 
Herrera marking him out of the game and was saying, you know, oh, why don't you go wide, pull wide, pull the uh, marker out of the middle and stuff like that. And so everybody's everybody's kind of picked up on that now. And that's that's like, why don't you do this hazard? But wasn't that the the Gary Neville thing, which was, was also a terrible part of the the match watching experience for anyone using NBC? Also today, today, Phil Neville is terrible. Uh, sorry, yes, Worst yes, Phil. commentator. Oh, can't. Uh, I John just... <laughs> John Moss uh, Neville and, and, and we just got it. It was really just an all star cast today. It was. It was, uh, it was like we don't have Tony Gale anymore coming on, but nowadays we get Phil Neville, and I don't know. I'd rather have ten games with Tony Gale than one with Phil Neville. So, all right. Well, it's yeah. understandable. I think Hazard will be fine. We'll be fine. Yeah, I agree. And I think we definitely got the better of the matchup. Like Everton sacrificing basically their one competent midfielder to follow a guy around yeah. and not really do it that well. You know, that's that's a bonus for us. If you if you're going to make it 10v10 and open up Costa to make the runs and if, you know, if Pedro who I didn't think had a really good game until he scored. Uh, if Pedro would have been better in the first half, you know, we we could have been easily out of sight. Pedro had a, so. had a lot of room to run into the middle because Hazard was pulling Ghana out wide, right. and so they didn't have that protection in front of their center backs. Yeah. I thought it's it's like it's like us sticking Conte on a certain player. Mm-hmm. That's I mean that might be de- a decent option, but it's not the best way to utilize your your all action. Uh, midfielder who's going to close down everything instead of just one man. Yep. So. All right. At Chelsea underscore mate says, do you think Lukaku looked like a striker we could rely on next season or should we look <laughs> elsewhere? I mean, this is literally the hundred million British pound question, Dan. Um, uh, I, I would reserve comment until the end end of the season. Let's uh, let, let's 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 just let's just fast forward to the end of the season and then start talking about transfers and, and all that business. I just want I just want trophies and medals and you know champagne supernova celebrations and not having to worry about how we're going to spend the enormous amount of money that the club will most assuredly give Conte to plug and play into his squad. All right. Fair enough. Everyone tweet at Dan Dormer and let him know what you think about that. Um, you, should run a, you should run a poll, see what happens. I, I do run some polls on the, the weekly uh, posting, and they, uh, they do well. They do well. All right. Uh, so we have one, two, three, I think about four or five people that asked about this, so I'm going to kind of consolidate it. But at Nelson Johnson 2, at Roder 116, at Chelsea underscore phobia and at Niagara Walls all want to know where does Conte rate Ake? Should Ake play be starting or um, do we need to buy any center backs? Where's our depth at? So I guess, David, I mean, it sounds like you want Ake to play in the center if Luis can't, um, which puts him at number four in the depth chart for you. Uh, sure. At, at the moment, I think Ake is the clear number four. Zuma seemed to be ahead of him, uh, but a couple pretty poor performances, uh, rightly so, knocked him back. Uh, so at, at this point, I, it's it's our only it's our it's our proper proper choice to go with Ake if if one of the three can't go. With JT leaving in the summer, do you think we have enough depth, or Conte is going to look to strengthen there still? I think depth-wise we're okay because we do have Zuma and Ake and then, like they're saying, Christensen's coming back. So that leaves six players for three positions. That's that's about perfect depth. 
Uh, we could certainly use an upgrade, but I, you know, I'm not sure who you would replace at the moment. The problem is you would need an upgrade in terms of uh, rotation. So right now, if we rotate to a second choice, we would have something like, say, Ake, Christensen, and Zuma, which might sound pretty good on, say, like uh, Football Manager, but in real life, it's uh, not something that is necessarily proven, and Zuma has not looked really that good. And I think he needs he needs proper minutes, uh, not at Chelsea at the moment. Well, there it is. As painful as that is, that <laughs> is kind of the talk: is will he be there? Will he do a loan? Kind of see where his development goes to, because I think he's even hinted at it at a, in an interview. Right. Yeah. I think I think it's 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 what it's the move that makes sense. Yeah. Since we've proven that there's possibly now a path back to the team after you go out on loan, you know, Moses came back and Chalba is back. So Zuma goes out for a year to do essentially a rehab loan to get his knee in order and get everything back to where it was essentially. Uh, you know, that's that's probably the best solution for him at the moment. Okay. And that also opens up a spot for somebody like uh, Van Dyke or whoever we've been linked. All right, next one up at Chelsea, Eric underscore, throwing the fire at you, Dan. Who would become a better manager, Terry or Lampard? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with C. I'm gonna oh, with, uh, man. I know. I'm going to I'm gonna do wild card here because, uh, you know, Terry wants to play a little bit more, and then he has to take some time in coaching. And Lampard is, like, tailor-made to be a commentator in in the, the game. Like, he's just fantastic at it, putting everyone to shame at basically zero minutes of doing it. <laughs> Jermaine Janus. Um, I would go... Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with uh, the U18 coach, Jody Morris, and his fireside is probably um, on his path um, more so than the other two to being someone who could be considered at some point in the future for a first team uh, managerial career. I mean, that'll be a fun match next season. Stevie G versus Jody M. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait. <laughs> Assuming Jody, Jody stays in stays in his role since we've been rotating those coaches out. True, quite uh, quite regularly. Yeah, because they move them up with the ages, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Kind of, kind of try to keep the group together in terms of coaching and players. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah. And the tough the tough part has been for the 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 PL two group has been the fact that we send so many of those players from the U 18s onto kind of loan action too. That's not. You know, our our caliber in the PL2 is not as strong as some of those other sides, which, you know, again, we're also sending them to go play first team football in, you know, in Spain or in Germany. I think there was was an interview with uh, one of the young goalkeepers, Nathan Baxter, who won the uh, Youth Cup last year. Mm -hmm. And he went out on loan to uh, a non-league side. He was at uh, Met Police, which is literally named after the police and then now is at the Solihull Moors or something like that. These are all non-league teams. And basically, he was in his interview. He was talking about just the, at least for goalkeepers, the, the amount of the pressure difference between a youth team, a youth league uh, game, and an actual game where people's jobs are on the line and and points are on the line. And even you know, developing in a team like Chelsea, where our academy is quite clearly the best in the country at the moment and has been for several years. If you're a goalkeeper, you almost never see any action. You, you go through a whole game and, you, you know, kind of like Courtois, for example, you know, you save, you face a couple of shots and that's it. And you play a lot with your feet because, you know, it's all possession oriented. 
Well, he went to non-league and it's, you know, crosses, crosses, big men crashing the box. And he just, it is for his own development, like how beneficial that was. So it's just the PL2 is a great idea, but it's really not where it needs to be for, for proper development. Uh, it's the same thing. You look at, you know, what happened in Vitesse and, and then winning the cup, you know, right. today. And you saw what happened, you know, Lewis Baker, Matt Miazga looking like a better player. Right. Um, Ollie, um, you know, all these players that we sent there. And, you know, there's been thought about like, well, that's kind of a, a, a bad idea. But you see how they're developing there versus playing the PL2. It would, it, it would stunt their right. growth. So I think, you know, our, our loan strategy actually is... Uh, a, a two thumbs up kind of thing for me. <laughs> well, it's working. We just have to, you know, make our peace with literally not everybody can make it. You know, we have we have three times as many players out on loan as we could possibly fit into a starting eleven. So it's uh, you know, it's just a game, a game of numbers, really. And my, my question, just because you're on the show now with us, David, <laughs> is do you do you have one that you are like super excited potentially to see? You know, in the starting eleven at some point, Aloni. Oh, uh, yeah. Hmm. My usual answer to any of these questions is Todd Kane. Who I've, I've been on the Todd Kane hype train for about five, six years now. Former uh, reserves team captain. He lo- goes back as far that there was still a reserves league when uh, Chelsea won the uh, reserves section. It was actually captained by I think it was eighteen-year-old Todd Kane at the moment at the time. But uh, a more realistic answer. As much as I would love to see Todd Kane in a Chelsea shirt, a first team Chelsea shirt would be, well, I would like to see Tammy Abraham, which is the easy answer probably because the dudes lit up the championship with his goals. But I want to see him uh, follow that up with a, a similar season at the t- at a top level, hopefully Premier League or some other country. And then from then on, move to the, the Chelsea first team. Yeah, I think I think that's a good shout. And he's done it at a bad Bristol team. Yeah, he's like he has half their goals just about like 20 they scored like 53 goals and he has 23 of them I want to say. So it's uh, it's either him or 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 bust. Yep. All right. Uh, well, another one uh, at Sunaway. More of a shout out for Nick saying, did your pint of Guinness taste all the more sweet after those three points? I'm going to go ahead and assure you that it did. So another last question we've got uh, says from at Huey98758, can we keep Conte forever? And the follow-up question from Ever Playful Wind says, wondering how the contract extension talks are going on between the Conte and the club. David, uh, you know, all of the insider sources that flood in to <laughs> oh, you. Yeah. Um, no, but just in general, I'm <laughs> yeah, assuming... Hold them at bay. Yeah, exactly. I, the, everyone wants to break it on We Ain't Got No History. <laughs> um, I'm assuming it's just pause, right? Like, this is such a crucial time of the season. Conte, it would make more sense for him to wait because if they do win, he can ask for more. Uh, just with everything going on, it doesn't seem like the best time to be actively talking about it. I'm sure they have a verbal agreement kind of set up already, though. Yeah, I think there's there's a you know a back of the envelope handshake agreement that there's going to be a new contract, uh, considering he's overachieved and exceeded just about every expectation certainly we've had for him and probably the club has had for him uh you know forever is obviously not going to happen even <laughs> in terms of even in terms of sports forever you know he'll be he'll be lucky to do three years that's my cynical side talking 
but uh, you know he'll get he'll get his new one year or additional year extension this summer for the next three years. You know, up up his wages to to more uh, Guardiola Mourinho levels because you know he is relatively relatively underpaid since we went a, a bit of a cheaper route after having to pay off Mourinho and staff again. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it'll be good for Conte, but like I said, I think that nothing to worry about. Obviously, the inter rumors, I think those are pretty weak. Personally, I mean that would be a That's, step you down. Know, agent stuff. I think in, the yeah. Inter's pulling pu- putting out feelers to everybody. Basically, yeah, they have you know new money in Italy, so they're like they're basically Chelsea equivalent in the terms of they're signing everything and everyone, and all the coaches want to go there. So say the rumors. Uh, I don't think there's really anything to worry about as far as Conte and Chelsea goes. You know, this this first season was clearly a trial. You know, if you have, if you feel like you start a new job, you're always going to be on probation at first. I Obviously, you can't really do that in sports, but, you know, Conte moving temporarily. He just left his family in Italy, so he just moved here for a year. Now he's bringing his, his wife and his, and his daughter and settling in for hopefully as long of a term as possible. Absolutely. All right. Well, that'll wrap up you guys' social media questions. Thank you again for all of them. This was a phenomenal round. Uh, Actually, didn't even have time to hit them all. So thank you so much. Keep them coming. And we're going to do our last break before we do the Middlesbrough preview, which is all the more exciting this year. All right. Here we go. All right, so we will be in London this coming week. And on Saturday, May 6th, between 7 p.m. and 9 p.m., uh, we are going to the Atlas. It is a pub near Stamford Bridge. And we're going to be meeting up with a bunch of our friends from the Chelsea FanCast, uh, from you know a few of the journalists that we've talked to before on this show, uh, Liam, Nazar, uh, Dan Levine. And we're just going to have a uh, hoot and holler and great time. Um, we're going to do a little bit of roundtable conversation. We're going to have a blast and, uh, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, proof that uh, Chelsea podcasts don't actually hate each other. We, uh, we actually love one another quite, quite, quite much. And so you can join us there. It's the Atlas Saturday, May 6th, between 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. You can check Facebook, you can check Twitter, check Instagram. We'll be posting updates with uh, any other pertinent details you need to know, but hopefully we'll get to raise a pint with you there. All right, Middlesbrough is the next match up. Uh, Premier League action, as always, going to be at Stamford Bridge. It'll be this coming Monday, May 8th. All right, so a little bit of a longer wait than normal. You can blame the TV companies for that. Um, as we as we've talked about, obviously this is really exciting match for the London is Blue uh, crew. We will be there in person live. First time for myself and Nick to see a match. Dan is a vet. He's already been there a couple times. I'm also maybe a talisman because the two times I've gone previously were both two victories. Big one over Arsenal. Yeah, big, that was that was a fun game. That was a nice little, you know, uh, I think it was Santi Cazola red card. Uh, the Zuma goal too. Uh, Check's first game back at the bridge. That was that was a that was a, a terse little affair. Well, this one will be a little bit different uh, as we go into this Chelsea four wins one loss 
Middlesbrough sitting at one win, two draws, two losses. Uh, David, we kind of talked about this earlier, but we're expecting nothing much uh, as far as like the attacking side of Middlesbrough. But they did draw City 2-2 just this past weekend. Alvaro Negredo kicking it off his own plant foot into the post and in. Um, and then they took the just lead. Just as he meant it. I- exactly. Uh, <laughs> and then classic poor defending from City let uh you know, Boro take the lead again, but you know they can't not concede. I mean, that's that's kind of where they're at when playing Man City. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, obviously, anything but a win would be a fairly tragic outcome at this point. Uh, not in obviously keep us at the top of the league still, but uh, you know, we, at this point, what we're looking at with four games to go is three home games, and if we win our three home games, we're champions, and. All three home games are eminently winnable, starting with this one. So it's uh, it's it's tough to expect anything but a, but a win, and I'm sure it's going to be not as easy as I would hope. But uh. well, and and Tottenham will have played on Friday, so there'll be plenty of time in between those matches. So you know, depending on how that goes, we shouldn't really have to worry about it like kind of screwing up. Uh, what Chelsea are going to do, even if Tottenham blow them out. Like, we'll have time to have let that pass. Uh, West Ham, uh, some interesting results if we kind of look at what that might look like for Tottenham. Um, you know, their most recent matches, um, as it stands, they obviously drew uh, Everton two weeks ago. And um, who, let's see, who'd they do this past weekend? Another nil nil against Stoke. Oh, I bet that was a dry affair. And that uh, Saturday, this this match week was probably the biggest boar fest we've had in, in quite yeah, some time. I think I, I saw I heard somewhere that match of the day was the first time ever that they had to lead with a nil nil draw. In like, I don't know if it's the history or like since Gary Lineker's been the host or whatever. Wow, <laughs> it was so bad. Yeah. yeah, a little pray for uh, Lineker moment there. Yeah. But West West Ham are very very bad. These days, yeah, I wouldn't. Ex- I wouldn't expect anything but a Spurs win in that one. Exactly. Uh, even as Kane dives his way into the. Um, anyways, uh, so last time we played Middlesbrough, uh, it was one nothing. Uh, that was away. Obviously, Diego Costa on the forty-first minute, getting the only goal of the match, and kind of from there, Dan. I mean. Obviously, you know, we're expecting Chelsea to be a little more aggressive. We've talked about you don't think uh, Fabregas is going to start. David's on the other side of that. Um, you know kind of what we're going to get from from Middlesbrough. How do you think the team's going to set up and where can Chelsea be successful? Uh, it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight, tight, tight. And I think you're going to require a lot of those wonderful uh, Alonzo and Moses crosses um, kind of down the flanks because I don't think they're going to give us much in the way of the middle um, or even shots from outside the box. So uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm excited to be there, first and foremost. I think that's going to be a, a really kind of raucous affair, depending upon how the West Ham game goes. And if they just want to do us a favor and even even nestle up a draw there, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm super, super stoked to see how we end up playing this match. And, you know, again, you look at, you know, they have scored 26 goals this season in 35 matches. They have let in 45 for a negative 19 goal difference. 
on their way to 28 points and her trip down back down to the championship. So, you know, we have allowed 29 goals in. They have not been able to score more than we've allowed over the course of the entire season. And I think that that is probably the one thing that bodes extremely, extremely well for us heading into this match. Unless uh, Patrick Bamford shows up with a hat trick. That's <laughs> oh, God. Pay, pay revenge. No. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we are due. You know, <laughs> uh, We're always due for uh, former Chelsea players to come in That's and, and the get only, that goal against us. The only ones who seem to be scoring against us. So, you know, watch out for Bamford. Well, as it stands, I mean, Middlesbrough are in 19th place on 28 points. They're chasing Swansea uh, in 18th. Uh, technically, they're chasing Hull in 17th, which is safety. And they're on 34 points. Uh, so, obviously, six-point swing is pretty big. They seem to be deflated for the most part. I mean, even against City, the th- you know, the goals that were going in um, were a little bit laughable. You know, it's not like they're just creating things, you know, direct from open play. And as we can see, kind of as we look at Middlesbrough's profile, uh, you know, they're not good at finishing scoring chances. And they foul in dangerous areas. This could be an opportunity for William to continue his dominance from the set pieces, even Fabregas. Uh, and so from there, it's obviously overwhelming Chelsea favorites, but it is a little bit, um, you know, of a tense time. Chelsea could very well go into this match only one point ahead. And that just adds a little bit more pressure. But the way Conte responded today at the end of the game, taking the players over to the way fans celebrating, he's really keeping everything in focus for the players saying, this is the most important match we've played and don't let up. Uh, I think he's done a fantastic job kind of keeping the players grounded and mentally. And when they win, really celebrating and letting them enjoy that and saying, all right, let's do it again. One more time. One more time. Yeah. Uh, Was it uh, DJ Conte Khaled then? (laughs) And another one? (laughs) Oh, um, well, that's good. I I guess anything else, David, you want to point out before um, we wrap up our Middlesbrough? Match preview. Uh, yeah, I was just I was just gonna say, uh, Middlesbrough have literally only won one game away all season, and that was the very first game they played in August away to Sunderland, who are the <laughs> only team worse than Middlesbrough in the league. So if we drop points, um, yeah, I don't know. This is gonna be a lot of. Let's not even think about that. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> you're saying we're again we're sitting pretty. Okay. Um, Dan, anything else you'd like to add on before we wrap this one up? No, I'm just uh, super excited to take in the match in person for the uh, the first one of the season. So uh, it's a good, good time, I think, to uh, to plan a trip over there. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for sticking around. We're going to wrap this episode up with our final thoughts, as always. So to kick us off, um, you know, Dan, what is your message? You know, I, I just obviously, you know, we've got David on here and we've had such a, a great run with We Ain't Got No History and, and being able to kind of connect with with their audience and uh, to grow over the past couple of years. And, uh, you know, just while you're on here and, you know, while you're listening, just thank you for all that and giving us the opportunity uh, a couple of years ago to be kind of a, a partner to you guys. And of course, it's super awesome. And, uh, you know, we uh, we're ex- excited to, to continue to work with you guys. Uh, we're, we're pretty happy to see see your success. That's for sure spreading spreading the american word (laughs) yeah and and what about you obviously you're on uh the manager of the page anything that uh maybe if any listeners out there don't know about we ain't got no history where to find it and kind of uh any content you want to plug 
Well, you can find us at weaingotnohistory.com. I think we also have a shortener where if you go to wagnh.com, it will get get you there. Um, most uh, find us on Facebook, which is uh, still fairly rapidly growing. And we do have uh, some, I guess, exclusive Facebook live content where you can watch me talk for an hour and take in my luscious hair and things like that and celebrate after wins or uh, do a bit of group therapy like after the United loss. So just uh, come hang out, join the site, you know, leave a comment, all those good things. Fantastic. You can even find us there as well in the comments. Uh, It's kind of crazy, David, just so you know, um, we made t-shirts for when Chelsea came to Minneapolis and Uh my girlfriend was wearing it in our co-ed soccer match the other night. It's the only blue shirt she has besides the actual women's cut jersey. And at the end of the match, this woman from England came over and was like, London is blue. She's like, I know them. She's like, I listened uh-huh. to them. And she pointed to me and laughed. Nice. And she's like, yeah, I'm on the forums all the time. And we ain't got no history. We'll see you there. So if you are listening, uh, good shout out to you. It's nice to meet you a couple weeks ago. Uh, but I tell you what, the we ain't got no history is taking over the U.S. So if you're a fan, <laughs> make sure you get involved. It's the place to be. All the cool kids. Uh, you should be, should, should be making shirts. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, well, I thank you so much again, listeners. Uh, it has been a great weekend for Chelsea as we maintain that four-point lead at the top. A little bit longer of a break as we have to wait till Monday. But in the meantime, follow us on social media because we are going to be publishing a ton of content in our travels around London. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep that blue flag flying high. All right, Chelsea fans, that is a wrap for this week. Don't panic, though, as we'll be back after Chelsea's next match. So to be sure you don't miss it, subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at LondonBluePod. Until next time, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high.